two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this week's episode of the It's You Tazza World podcast. Tom Hackett alongside Steve Bartle. Check Steve out on Twitter at sbartle247, or you can find more of his work at utezone.com. With just a few weeks to go before the start of the college football season, and you're a Utah fan, the only destination you need to head to is utezone.com, seven-day free trial, or you can check out castlesports.com. Uh, it's me, my colleagues. We post a lot of stuff there, and um, ah, it's kind of cool. So, anyway, I'm at Tom Khan Hackett. This podcast is sponsored by Nate Wade Subaru, 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City, Utah, just down, just outside of downtown, I should say. And uh, they need used cars. So, if you're driving a used Nate Wade Subaru, give them a call. You'd be mind blown at the sort of deals they've got going on now. So, um, Steve, wow, hello, Steve. Sorry <laughs> about that intro. It's awfully quick. What's going on? What's up, Tom? How are you, man? Good, I'm good. I'm hanging in there. It's Friday. High school football season starts tonight. College football season is now 15 days away. Not for Utah, Ooh, not for BYU, hoo-hoo. but first game, and I forget who it is. It's on August 28th. And there are a couple of them. Uh, just 15 days away. It's crazy to think that we are just uh, this close. The NFL preseason is is here. We're watching games midweek on uh on that, so man, it's it's basically here. It feels like it's here, so it's pretty it's pretty exciting. You, I imagine, Steve, are going to be doing some high school football come Thursday, Friday nights from now on, right? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's definitely back. It's exciting. Um, I was at the Sky Ridge Fremont game last night. Uh, there was some uh, some good talent with that Sky Ridge squad, and so it's fun, man. Football is finally back. We've got high school football tonight, like you said, a couple good games uh, on uh, on the slate um tonight and throughout the month so it's fun man it's it's uh, it's finally here we're inching closer to utah football which is you know always great so it's uh it's exciting man it is it, this time of year I, this is maybe uh, maybe my favorite time of year it's a toss-up between now or like the end of winter the end of winter i get really excited for not not because football season's six months out obviously but because there's sun and it's warm uh, but this is also <laughs> yeah. a really exciting time of year because it's not that hot anymore. Like I know today, what is it? Friday, August 13th, I think we're peaking at like 98 degrees. So it's still, it's still pretty hot, but most days aren't 98. It's more like 85 to 90, which is very, very pleasant considering the heat we've uh, sustained. But yeah, no, I love this time of year, Steve. It's, it's good. The golf courses are in perfect shape. They're not, they're not, you know, sizzling all day in the sun. Yeah. Life is good, man. Life is good. But uh well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad you're well. And uh, it's been a big, a busy week for Utah football. Uh, for one, for one instance, they they unveiled their new locker room down in the uh, south yeah. end zone. There, Steve, you were in attendance. 
Uh, walk us through kind of how it all unfolded, the proceedings, who spoke, what you got to see. I mean, the the impressiveness of of the whole project. I mean, it look it it looks immaculate. Yeah, no, it's it was incredible, and you know, for a lot of us, it was the first opportunity to see Rice Eccles Stadium since you know all of this work. Like, obviously, there was the Garth Brooks Stadium, and a lot of a lot of Utah fans were in attendance for that. They got a little sneak peek of the progress of the South End Zone. But this is really the first opportunity uh, for for me, for us, for media members to to see the the South End Zone, but to see the field. They just put in the new turf, and my goodness, it looks good. It pops that green turf. It's like a it's man. It looks good. So you've got all of that. You've got the new you know the interlocking used logo at midfield now, and it's. It's a brand new look, you know, in, in, in many ways. And that south end zone uh, is, is awfully impressive. And they're still not all the way done. I think they said they've got two to three more weeks of, you know, putting in the finishing touches, you know, on, on the interior and some of the exterior work as well. But, you know, for the most part, this thing is, is, is as close to being done as, as you can be. And it's, it's impressive. So, you know, yesterday they had the ribbon cutting ceremony and we got to hear from Mark Harlan. We got to hear from, you know, President Randall as well. Um, and it was really cool to hear from them. And then we got to hear from the Garf family and, and kind of their thoughts. And Bob Garf obviously was, you know, instrumental in this thing coming to be. Him and his family made the the big donation for this project. And obviously with the namesake, you know, the Ken Garf Red Zone, like, uh, says a lot. And so it was cool to hear from them, to hear from their perspective. Um, you know, all in all, the they had a program that lasted about, you know, 20, 30 minutes there on the field. And then they proceeded to the ribbon cutting. Um, and uh, just just a really cool, uh, really cool um, setting there. And, and, you know, to see it finally come together like this, it's uh, it's impressive. I can't wait for you know, the fan base to be in the stadium and to hear it, because I think that's kind of the thing that it's most, most exciting for a lot of us is, you know, getting to hear the, the, the impact that it's, you know, the, what it's going to mean to the sound and, and everything, because we always talked about the sound escaping to the South end zone. And now that it's enclosed, really, really excited to kind of hear, um, hear just the impact it's going to have on the sound in, in the stadium during game days. Yeah, that's cool. I'm 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 wrapped for uh, for Utah football and the program. It's a big step. Um, yeah. it's such a nice locker room and such a nice facility. The old one uh, just worn out and it didn't quite work um, in 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 2021. Given kind of where Utah's at now uh, as right. a program, you know, year in year out, they've been competing for Pac-12 South uh, supremacy. Uh, they, they are one of the, the bigger programs now on the West Coast. Uh, they will always be talked about as a potential Pac-12 contender, uh, specifically under Carl Whittingham. Um, and so I, I just think it's it's kind of somewhat reminiscent of, of where the team's at, where the program's at, and how it's grown over the years. And, you know, to think about just over a decade ago, Utah was playing – you know the likes of Wyoming every year right. during conference play uh, in the in the WAC and Mountain West, and now we're here we are with with this sort of facility, this stadium. Uh, 
you know, the, the training facility, the practice facility, that obviously is now, what, six, six years old, seven years old? Something like but, that, yeah. But it's still really, really nice. It's such a great recruiting tool. And, and you better believe, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm saying something pretty obvious here, but that New South End zone, that, that red zone performance center or whatever they're calling it, I mean, that's going to have a profound effect on, on, on recruiting as well. Um, yeah. Big-time recruits, they try and get them to big games when the, when the stadium's as loud as it will be um, all year long. And to be able to bring those kids into that facility, show them around, ah, it's going to make the world a difference. You know, previously yeah. they were bringing them into this little shoebox. It was old, <laughs> kind of smelt funny. Yeah. So yeah, now, now it's a different ball game. So it'll be fascinating to track. Uh, for, for for you anyway, Steve, kind of just the recruiting and, and does it have any impact, you know? And if so, how big right. of an impact does it have? I have to assume it will. Uh, it's just now a matter of, of just what sort of an impact will that be? Will it be right. minute or, or will it be significant? Um, and that's a question that will be answered in, in probably a year, year's time after this, this football season's come and gone. I, I have to think, yeah. but no, it, it's, It'll. Sorry, Tom. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, 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 no. I was done. I was done. You go. <laughs> I was just, you know, I was just gonna say, like, um, you know, we 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 got the tour, and you're walking through it, and like it's like I said, it's still not done. There's still probably two to three weeks out. Like they took us into Coach Witt's office. You know, he's got a desk, and like that's it in his office right now. Um, like there's still a lot of work to be done, but not like typical construction, right? So. Anyways, just like walking through it and seeing it and kind of just being in there um, was really interesting. I, it, it hit me while I was walking through of just how far the program has come. And, and Tom, you alluded to this, um, you know, where it wasn't too long ago that Utah was playing, you know, the Wyoming's and the Colorado States and, you know, the stadium then and, and kind of the shape that it was in. It was good. It was it was it, it, it served its purpose. But now, you know, this is this is like where it's really starting to sink in that Utah is, you know, they're at that power five level where you've got just this incredible facility, right, where you're uh, catering to, you know, your your student athletes, your football players, and you walk through it. And it's just it's impressive, man. Like you take a high school recruit through there, they're going to walk through that uh, facility just uh, in awe of what Utah has to offer, you know, is it going to have a major impact where suddenly, you know, Utah's, you know, they see another significant bump where now where they're typically averaging five to six, four star kids in a class where now it's they're they're bringing in eight to 10. You know, I don't know that we'll see that kind of impact, but it's going to help them in regards to when they bring a kid in that they really want. It's just it's it's more than just like checking the box, right? It's more than just checking it off the checklist. Like this is now another tool for them to use when they bring a kid in and they want a kid and they want them to commit. This is just another tool for them, you know, in the repertoire to use to to close kids. Um, and so it will have an impact on recruiting. It will be positive. It will be another tool for them to use. Um but but again, coming back to your point of just how far it's come, how far Utah football has come, 
I, I love what this means for the future of the program. You know, it's aw- it was awesome to see the video that Utah football published of the team running into the locker room and, yeah. and how excited they were and all of that. Like, it's exciting for that to, you know, just what this means for the players and for players down the road. But it was cool to walk through it and to see all of the pictures of guys that have helped build this program to where it is now to help raise this program to where it is now, you know, photos of star Lotulele, photos of, you know, the Kruger brothers of Alex Smith, Eric Weddle, you know, just guys, you know, from teams past that all contributed to where Utah is now. I loved kind of that aspect of, of walking through the, the facility and seeing just all the images they had this, um, it's not, it's a, like a, a TV display where they just had kind of live photos going and, and, you know, circulating kind of like a, a desktop type of a thing. And it was cool just to kind of see the photos of all the guys in the past and, and all of that. So still paying homage to those because everybody, you know, this is not something where it's the last two to three years that have really contributed to this. It's, you know, been the last 10 15, 20 years of Utah football success. And it's, it was kind of cool to see them honor, you know, those guys and, and what they've meant to the program. Yeah. Utah's, Utah's done a really good job over the last two decades, just slowly growing um, as a program and fan base has done a tremendous job also, in my opinion, of, of being loyal and uh, passionate. And uh, both of those things are, are really crucial for any sporting club, team, organization, program to to have success both on and off the the the, the field. So um, yeah. I think I think something else worth noting, Steve, is is what they did to commemorate and further honor the late Ty Jordan. Uh, he has a locker, uh, his photos uh, up there, as as is the rest of the team, uh, and he even has uh, a helmet, a uh, a jersey. And they're going to interchange both the helmet and the jersey throughout the course of the year for at least this season um, in similar fashion to, to what the team is going to wear that 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 week. So, um, yeah, love that. Yeah, I love it. It's yet and, to be known if – I was just going to add, Steve, it's yet to be known if, if, if Ty will, uh, will stay in the locker room for longer than this year. Certainly for this season, he'll be, he'll be present, which is, which is pretty yeah. cool. And, and, you know, so we had the, the ribbon cutting ceremony yesterday. Um, the team actually got the first look at the new locker rooms um, the night before. So I believe that was what, what's today, Friday, Thursday. So Wednesday night, they, they took a tour of, you know, they got to go into the locker rooms. And after the, the excitement kind of, you know, wore off, it sounds like, you know, they all went to Ty Jordan's locker room and, and just kind of had a moment there. And then, you know, after that, they took him out to the field and they got to watch that, that video, that Ty Jordan Memorial video together as a team. And, um, you know, it sounds like there's still some pretty raw emotions with this, uh, Ty Jordan, um, you know, with, with, with everything that's going on with Ty Jordan, um, and, and how they continue to honor him. Sounds like there's still, you know, people fighting back tears and everything, which, you know, it's, it's just incredible that they can, these guys can continue moving forward, competing for, you know, and, and, and preparing for, you know, a football season while still kind of battling the emotions. And, and not only that, but, you know, it's something that 
they're being reminded of every day. Right. And so you, you do that and they go out and, and honor him and as much as they can. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wild to, to think of, you know, the fact that they lost Ty Jordan you know, we all lost Ty Jordan and the emotions that come with that. Um, it's, uh, it's tough, but it, it's awesome to see them continue to honor him as often as they do. You, you just, you know, obviously it's, it's pretty tremendous. Yeah, no, it's, and I know they have his locker still set up in the, in the training facility. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, it's, you know, the, this season will go a long way. Um, I think in remembering Ty and hopefully, hopefully there's something planned for September 2nd when Utah hosts Weber State. Um, and maybe, maybe even there's something planned every home game. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm sure there will be some sort of commemoration um, yeah. at Rice Eccles Stadium during a game, before a game, where the fan base can also um, help pay their respects to yeah. uh, Ty and uh, everything he gave during the 2020 season. So um, it's really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, uh, of Utah football and, um, and the program and everybody that's involved for, for doing everything they've done as it relates directly to Ty. Um, Steve, before we get to some other big news that occurred this week um, in the state of Utah, um, let, let's talk about full camp quickly. Um, yeah. You, you've been up, I think, every practice. I was up there. I've been up there on a handful of occasions now. Um, we've, we've, we've gotten pretty good time with both offensive and defensive coaches and players. And I feel like, you know, I feel like we, should, we have a pretty good understanding of like where the team's at. Now it's, it is a little difficult because the media is not allowed to watch practice. Um, which is a shame um, because down at BYU that they're allowing media members to watch 20 minutes of practice. Oh, hell no. Oh man. At Utah, they're, they're not, oh, they're not man. allowing that. So that's a um, bit of a bummer. Nice but you know what? Heart. It's okay. It's all right. We, we continue to show up, Steve. <laughs> we continue to ask questions and write stories with the hope of uh, being correct. That, uh, yes. <laughs> But if they want accurate storytelling, I just will never understand why they don't allow 20 minutes of practice to be viewed. But anyway, we can worry about that another time. That's a conversation that will likely get at least one of us in a spot of bother, and I'm not really uh, in the mood to deal with that today. But uh, nonetheless, what what have you learned, Steve? Uh, Cliff Notes version from Bartle of camp so far. What are you? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, my thoughts are it sounds like there's just a lot of depth and a lot of competition, you know, in, in, in certain position groups. And it's exciting. You know, we've talked about it a lot this summer. On paper, this team seemed deeper one, one through 85, right? They bought in a lot of – brought in a lot, of, a lot of guys, a lot of talent in their signing class and brought in, you know, some additional transfers. And so – uh, you know, just talking to coaches, talking to players, there's a, a consistent theme of just the improved competition. Um, you know, and it's it's pretty fascinating to hear that from, you know, guys like Ethan Calvert, a you know, top 100 talent, you know, guys like Clark Phillips, a top 50 talent, right? Like 
These are extremely talented guys that, you know, maybe, (laughs) and this is, this is not a representation of who they are at all, but, you know, you have those kind of kids, those, those kind of talents and, you know, it, it would be understandable if they came in and kind of expected things to, you know, maybe be handed to them on a, on a silver platter, right. In terms of playing time, but that's not the case at all. Like these guys have come in, um, and, you know, they are bought into the, the culture of competition at, at Utah. You know, that's something that Kyle Whittingham talks about and preaches almost to a fault, right? Where, you know, we've talked about the quarterback position and, and how delicate that is. Like Kyle Whittingham is, preaches competition, 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 right? And the fact that Utah has continued to recruit you know, incrementally better each and every year in terms of, you know, how we view things at 24 seven sports with, you know, average recruiting ranking, they've improved their recruiting success over the years. You know, I don't think there's, there's any denying that they are bringing in better talent, but that better talent is still buying into the culture of competition. That to me says a lot and something that's really kind of stood out to me um, with the, with the, with this fall camp. So um, a lot of depth, a lot of competition going on. you know, there are some specific position battles, obviously quarterback. We've talked about that um, plenty running back, you know, is pretty exciting. You've got a guy like Tavion Thomas, that's receiving a lot of, you know, a lot of praise for you know, how he's looked. And then TJ Pledger, obviously Chris Curry and, and Makai Bernard in that mix as well. So um, a lot of good uh, things to sort out at running back, um, you know, defense is, is, is very well stocked up front and, and the secondary, you know, they're sorting things out. So uh, a lot of good competition, a lot of good talent, a lot of good individual talent, and and uh, and definitely some exciting, uh, exciting opportunities for this team uh, and and certain individuals on the team. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty good version, Cliff Notes version of, of what we've heard so far. I was um I was I was speaking to Covey uh, earlier in the week, and he said something that was interesting, and I I think most of the players. Um, from what I can understand, you know, Phil, Phil in a similar fashion, he, he mentioned that he's, he's never, he's, he's never taken a season um, as seriously uh, as he, as he is this year. Um, yeah. And I guess what he means by that is, is he, he's just, he's, he's really enjoying being back out there with his teammates and, and he's embracing every moment he can. I think last year was, was kind of a tough lesson that that the playing group in particular learnt you know they they didn't know if they were going to play that week right up until the ball was kicked you know there were games being called off left right and center utah had their own issues with with covid and um and and this year it feels like there's more stability and and the playing group is more settled and there's there's more of an anticipation towards this season than um than there has been over the last previous years so what covey said was was really fascinating and unique and and as one of the leaders of the team I'm sure they've had internal conversations with one another about not taking anything for granted and um and and really embracing this upcoming season and and the roster that they have and all of the talent that that's returning and the expectations are high and um and and maybe this is the year that that Utah can fulfill those expectations because that Pac-12 championship is uh, is been a problem so far. 
I, I, it's just something about this year, Steve. I don't know what it is necessarily. I can't quite put my finger on anything, any one thing in particular, but there just seems to be something about this Utah football program and the way it's built um, and, and the way the players are speaking and, and the coaches and what they have to say and all of the positivity that's, that's thriving out of that program at the minute. It just feels like there's something special potentially on the horizon. If, and again, it's a big if because the game of college football is very physical. But if they can stay healthy, in my word, who knows? Who knows what this Utah football team is capable of in the year two thousand and twenty-one? So, um, pretty cool. I, I, I'm excited. I really am. And yeah. as, the, as the days go by, my excitement grows, and you just cross your fingers that you don't hear of anything significant coming out of camp. You, you want it to be relatively quiet. Uh, you want it to be positive, but. You know the injury from an injury side of things. You know it's just you got to you got to hope that they're um, they're bracing themselves for a big big year and looking after themselves physically because that's yeah. going to become such a such an integral element to to the success of this program. Um, yeah. The, the the last subject of conversation I I wanted to get to Steve today was 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 not actually re- relating to Utah in particular. It actually came from from BYU. Um, BYU. This, this week announced that um, a local company by the name of Built Bar, uh, they make, they, they make um, bars, uh, granola-style bars, energy-flavored bars that are apparently really good. I, I haven't been the ch- had the chance to get my hands on them, but they, they announced that they've, um, they've reached a deal with Built Bar that will help the entire team out with scholarship and non-scholarship walk-on players out. And and uh, walk-on players in particular is kind of what I wanted to focus a lot of this conversation on. Walk-on players will receive money to to pay for their tuition, uh, which essentially which essentially makes them scholarship players to a to a certain extent. Um, and and I just think Steve, with with how scared everybody seemed to be about the name, image, likeness um, change in college football. I, I just think it's been superb. And I think if you're a Utah fan, uh, you, you've got to be happy for, for what BYU did this week. Uh, you're allowed to be a little jealous. You would love for your own team to announce something similar. But until that's the case, I think it's more than okay to be to be happy because these walk-ons, uh, I just don't think – well, they certainly don't get enough attention. They're not talked about, they're not talked about much. They kind of go uh, uncovered to a certain extent. But they, they have it the hardest out of anybody – Coaches are making millions of dollars or, or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Scholarship players uh, are having most of their life looked after. Uh, yeah. And now, and, and these walk-ons prior to the NIL, Steve, I mean, they were doing it the hard way. They were paying for their own schooling. They were paying for everything that came with that, books, tutors, you know, you name it, food. Um, and now, finally, down there at BYU, and I think BYU became the first school. I could be wrong, but... But now everybody, it feels it feels like it's it's just one big happy family down there because the the guys that were paying their way are finally getting something uh, in reward. And uh, I heard an interview from Nick Billups, I believe his name is. He's a he's a walk on quarterback out of San Clemente, California, and he was just saying, um, you know, how earlier this week when it all went down, he he finally felt included, um, which is which is so cool to hear from somebody that's done done it the hard way. And I, I, I just yeah. think, I just think credit, look, credit, you've got to give credit to, to what BYU has been able to do. And I, I, you know, do I love BYU? No, 
You know, I I, I, I much yeah. prefer Utah. But my word, what what they did this week was was really really powerful in my opinion. I was a walk on my my first year there, and I can I can relate. I mean, that life is yeah. not it's not easy. That's a hard right. gig, and uh, and I, I wouldn't want anybody to have to endure what a walk on normally endures. But BYU have done it and found a way to. And further, I mean, if you're an in-state recruit, Steve, and now you're looking at potentially joining BYU or Utah and you've got the option to go to both, I mean, there's a good chance you're going to BYU. Even if they're not in the Pac-12, their schedule's not great. If you're going to make money down there, I mean, Utah at this point, if I'm not not wrong, I I have to believe, Steve, that Utah has to do something similar now uh, or at least give every effort they have to try and make something uh, happen because uh, because just from a recruiting standpoint, this is going to impact the way both schools recruit. Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. You don't, seem, you don't seem nearly as sold. Do you still think well, just the power of the Pac-12 is is going to draw the the likes of of talented walk-ons well, in the state of Utah? No, and not so much that. Like, obviously, like if we're talking scholarship players, I don't think it's going to have that big of an impact, right? Like. But in terms of recruiting walk-ons, like, yeah, sure. Maybe this is, you know, another an added boost for BYU. Like, I, I get that. And that's not kind of my, 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 uh, my issue with it. I, look, I'm, I'm happy for the walk-ons getting paid. Like, you, we talked about it a little bit before we started. Like, the walk-ons, like, have to grind for everything, right? Oh, like, yeah. it is not, it is not fun a lot of days, like, it's an absolute grind and more often than not you're getting your butt kicked and it's that's not fun to do that and to pick yourself back up and come and do it again the next day right so you know i'm i'm extremely happy for the walk-ons you know getting their tuition paid for like that's awesome and commendable my hesitancy with it all is is just because you know, we don't have a lot of clarity on NIL. And, and so there's still that little bit of concern, hesitancy that while this is a great story, <laughs> you know, I just worry that this is going to put these kids in, in some, some hot situations with their eligibility. Um, just because you're paying players for, you know, fair market value to profit off of their name, image, and likeness, right? And for scholarship players that play a lot, that's going to be pretty easy. You're going to be in front of a camera a lot. You're going to be talking to a lot of people. You're going to have a big following. For walk-ons, you know, you talked, Nick Billups did an interview about it, but how often have we heard from Nick Billups before? You know, we haven't seen him on TV a lot. We haven't seen him in front of the camera a lot. You know, how big, how, how big is his following? Right. So there's just these things where I, I get concerned. You get paid a, a lump sum like six thousand dollars. And, you know, <laughs> that's he's got to be paid that amount for marketing and advertising. Like he's got to earn that six thousand dollars. Right. And I like and again, we talked about this before the show. Like it's it's going to there will be ways that built bar will make this happen, right? Like you, you want to believe that you believe that built bar will provide these guys the opportunities to, you know, make sure that they, they earn that, that $6,000 like the rules state that they need to. 
Because if they don't, then it's considered pay for play and pay for play is illegal. And that puts you in some murky water. And, and so like, I, I'm with you, Tom, like I'm all about these players getting money. Um, but there's still, just because we don't know, there's still a lot of un, uncertainty with it. Um, this also puts players in, in some, some hot, not hot water. I don't want to say that. Like these guys aren't in, in trouble by any means by, by accepting this money. It's just, there's uncertainty. There's added uncertainty here. For sure. For sure. No, I, I, I completely yeah. understand. I completely understand it. And, and he, here's what I would say to that. And, 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 and I could be completely wrong. I, I don't know the inner workings of, of how NIL deals go down because it is obviously right, so right. new and yeah. we're all learning and the yeah. universities are learning. Um, but they're in the thick of it. And, and, and so part of me says, okay, this is how it should have gone down. Okay. And this right. is Bilt Bar comes to BYU and says, we want to do this. BYU goes to the NCAA and says, this is what we have on the table. And, and, and for me, it's between BYU Athletic Department, the NCAA administration to figure out a game plan, to have set plans in place to make sure, sure. it's not pay for play. Sure. So this is, this is how we're going to attack walk-ons. This is how we're going to attack – and even break it down, Steve, because there is a decent sum of money on the table here. Every single player on the roster – should have a plan in place that the athletic department has approached the NCAA with to say, this is how it's going to work. And this is what we're going to do. And assuming that was cleared by the NCAA and assuming that BYU follows that script, there should be no problem. But if it wasn't broken down like that, to be perfectly frank, that's not BYU's problem. That's the NCAA's problem. Right, 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 right. Right. That's, that's and, and where I, I sit. And yes, but it I'm, might not I'm work like you. that. I have no idea. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. Like this is not on BYU like, like at all. Like, right. This is on the NCA not having rules established, clearly clarifying what, what can be allowed, what can't be allowed, what needs to happen. They've provided very, I don't want to say, I want, I don't want to say they've provided nothing, but it's, unclear there's not a lot of clarity in terms of what can and cannot be accepted that's on the ncaa for sure um so i i'm with you there tom like if you're the players like hell yeah go go get your bag go get your money like absolutely but but to, to clarify steve this this whole uncertainty regarding the ncaa what is allowed what is this has been a problem that they faced yep. for decades yes and so i'm kind of over the fact that the ncaa doesn't know how to regulate yes. their own rules I don't right. care anymore, and I don't think the athletic departments care either. So until they can figure that out, if you want to – I mean, it's like, it's like government. It's like police officers, law right. enforcement, establishing a rule and not knowing how to regulate it. It doesn't yeah. work, and it doesn't yeah. happen. It just it, – it's that is not a sustainable way of providing for society. It that's, will never work. That's the NCAA, man. That's exactly what – that's exactly so, the NCAA. So, I mean, aren't we at a point with the NCAA where it's you like, should just they, do it and who say, cares? what yeah. are you going to do? You're like, well, okay. Like, I just, I'm so over this. It's so stupid for a billion dollar industry, multiple billion dollar industry. They yes. can't even regulate their own damn laws. And it's nonsense. It's nonsense. Yeah. Well, and even like, I don't know if you saw the Baylor news that came down. I um, did. But and it was mind blowing when it shouldn't have been awful. because it's 
It's a awful. pattern. It's a trend. But again, just to reiterate the fact that the NCA is complete buffoon, like it's buffoonery at its at its peak. Um, it it doesn't make sense in terms of what they're able to regulate, what they're supposed to regulate, what the message that they send with these rules. It's all a, it's all just a, you know a bunch of jambalaya. <laughs> you know, just they're throwing whatever they can into a pot and and saying like. You know, we're going to enforce this. We're going to enforce that. And, you know, it, 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 you just don't know. Like, you don't know what to expect of the NCA. It's, it's just a complete mockery of an institution. Um, you know, and, and frankly, like, it, <laughs> these Power Five schools, the Group of Five, whatever, like, whatever we do, like, it's time to separate and to make your own little thing, make your own super conference league. And, and, you know, get some, get, you know, create, um, you know, uh, just a new, new institution, you know, like just separate yourself from the NCA because it's a clown show. It's an absolute clown uh, show. I, I, I just, I cannot believe we're still here. I, I really can't. Yeah. The more I think yeah. about it, I just get frustrated, but I just can't believe we're still dealing with this stuff. Like, like, like the Baylor thing, for example, for those that missed it, I rem- I'm sure you remember if, if, if you're at all educated within the college football landscape, you remember all of the sexual assault scandals that were coming out, the, the, the multiple yeah. rapings. And I mean, you name it, they were, they were in a big, big spot of bother. And the NCAA essentially came out and said they couldn't find anything conclusive in their finding. I mean, come, come, come could, on. Couldn't I mean, yet- punish them because of the, like, Based on the rules that they have, they could not punish them because they didn't break any of their set forth rules or they couldn't, you know, find faults in terms of the rules that they have. It's a joke. Yet they'll take they'll take Reggie Bush's Heisman away because his parents were gifted a house and the University of North Carolina will be reprimanded because uh, their students were cheating in tests with tutors. It's like, come, yeah, come, come on, man. Like, can we just like stop? Can we just end all? What's this? the message you're sending here, right? Like, you're going to put, you know, kids accepting, you know, sock money, pizza money. Like, you're going to punish those programs that get punished for that more than what you've done here with Baylor, who had like a, a gigantic, not just an athletic department scandal. This was a school-wide scandal of rape and sexual abuse that was covered up um, throughout the school. It's disgusting. And in no way should the NCAA have like allowed these guys off the hook. It's, it was, it's just, it's absurd. Yeah. I, I don't, under, I, I just, I don't understand. And to be perfectly frank, I'll be, I'll be, I'll give full disclosure to all of that. It, it, it puts me off. Uh, it puts me off the game. It, it really does. Just knowing that the NCAA is still overseeing uh, the entire industry, it, it, it's off putting and I don't like it. And, yeah. um, and I just wish, and I know at some point in my lifetime, there will be a drastic change when it comes to the powers um, that control college football. But as it stands right now, it's just ludicrous because there are teams and programs out there that are doing things they shouldn't, that will never be found guilty. There are other teams that are doing things that aren't all that discreet that, that are yeah. getting punished. And I'm, I'm like, what are we doing? Why, why, do we, why are we doing all of this? What, what, what is the purpose? And what are we trying to get out of all of it? Just we're talking about young men learning to grow and develop not only as football players, 
not only yeah. as athletes, but as people. And we're sending bad messages every yes. single year about what is correct and how to go about it the right way. It's just, it's just like I, I, I'm adamant that within this decade, Steve, I'm adamant within this decade, something seismic will change um, from, from the college football landscape as it relates to, to the powers that be. And, and I, I cannot wait for that day. I can, it cannot come soon enough, in my opinion, because it stands right now. It's ludicrous. It's, 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 it's buffoonery, as you said, yeah. and uh, it just makes me angry. So if, if, BYU, if, if the NCAA didn't, going full circle, if the NCAA didn't uh, sit down with, with Tom Holmo at BYU and go over every little uh, detail and plan to, to make this deal uh, work workable um, without it being paid, then, then then I don't care, to be honest. I don't care if BYU uh, are, are earning money, if the play, if the walk-ons are earning money um, and not and and not giving fair market value for the money that they're earning because it, that's the NCAA's fault for all I care. It's their fault. They, they needed to do better uh, prior to any of it. And um, in the meantime, good for BYU, good for the kids that are, that are grinding day in and day out that are finally able to earn a bit of chunk of coin for all of their hard work. So... Anyway, it, yeah, it ruffles it, <laughs> it makes my blood boil. The NCAA, I just yeah. I hate them with everything I've got. I yeah. hate compliance. I hate them. I, it, it, I've had too many. Uh, I've got a story that maybe I'll share one day. In fact, maybe I'll share it next week. I don't know. Okay, about, the, about compliance and, mm. and and how I got into a bit of a spot <laughs> of bother with with them uh, a few years ago when I was done playing. I was not. Anyway, uh, I'll save it because it'll probably take me ten minutes to get through it all. But uh, but you guys, I think, will be absolutely just flabbergasted with uh, even if that's a word. I don't even know. Yeah, but no, it absolutely. It's it's, it's crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy to just think about everything they do. But anyway, on that note, we'll end things, Steve. We'll let you be. It's Friday afternoon. There's high school football we need to get to, and uh, as always, my friend, it's a pleasure. Nate Wade Subaru. Always, Tom. Nate Wade Subaru is our beloved sponsor, 1207 South Main Street. Hey, do check Steve out, please, on Twitter at sbattle247, and then go to utezone.com and see what they've got going on. They've always got something hot cooking in the kitchen. Uh, And, of course, kslsports.com, and check me out at Tom Can't Hack. Until next week, Steve, to all of our lovely listeners, we love and appreciate you. Have a good weekend. We'll be back in a, a few days' time. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.